you are listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church, please visit harvestbrampton.ca. You can take a seat. And uh, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Psalm 103. That's where we're going to be for a little bit. And the ushers are coming up and down the aisle with the Bible. And uh, they would love to give you a Bible. So all you got to do is put your hand up and they'll get, you, get a Bible to you if you don't have one. And if you don't own a Bible, then uh, you can keep that. We're happy to give that away to you. Just make sure you read it. It'll change your life, believe me. Uh, as people, we talk to ourselves. Uh, lots of people don't want to admit that, but people talk to themselves. When when, some, when, when people make a mistake, sometimes you'll see an athlete or something, they, they miss a shot and you see them kind of going, oh, you're so foolish. Why'd you do that? I can't be, that's an, that's an easy shot. You make that all the time, just talking to themselves. Or maybe you're in a conversation with someone and something comes out of your mouth and you're kind of like, why did I say that? I, I promised myself I wasn't going to go there and there I, I why did I say that? Or maybe you're like me and, and it's something scary. You got to do something scary. So about three summers ago, I was, I was at a party. And for some reason, at this party, there was a snake at the party. Now, I'm not convinced that snakes make parties better, but somebody was. And so there's a snake at this party. And then they get the snake out of the box that it came in, and people start putting the snake around their shoulders, their, their neck. Now, I hate snakes. I think they're disgusting. Uh, and I'm sorry for, you know, animal lovers, but I think they're some of the worst things. That I just hate snakes. And so this snake's getting passed around, and I'm starting to realize that snake's going to get to me at some point. And there's youth at this party, and back then I really wanted to impress the kids, and so I'm thinking, I don't want them to think I'm a coward. And so this snake's coming, and so I'm in the corner by the fence, and I'm just like, you can do this, Marv. You can do it. You can do it. And, and the snake comes and it kind of goes around you. And it's just like, oh, it's disgusting. But I was talking to myself. This is called self-talk. Elizabeth Bernstein says, self-talk is what happens when you make yourself the target of your own comments, advice, or reminders. It's having a conversation with yourself. And in our psalm today, David is going to talk to himself. He's going to converse with himself. He's going to have a conversation with himself. And, and here's what we're going to learn. That when we talk to ourselves, that what we say will have a massive effect on our behavior. When we engage in self-talk, what we say will have a massive effect on our behavior. Some good things will happen in our life when we do this though, when we tell ourselves the right things. When we tell ourselves the right things, there's some good things that will start happening in our life and we're gonna see David here telling himself the right things, engaging in some self-talk. So Psalm 103 verse, verse one says, of David, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, 
who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good things, with good, sorry, so that your youth is renewed like eagles. And so David tells himself here to, to bless the Lord. He, he's speaking to himself. Another way you, can, uh, you could say this is that he's saying to himself, so praise the Lord. So he's, he's encouraging him, himself towards a certain direction. He's saying, praise God. Now what does it mean for us to praise God? If we're going to bless the Lord, what does it actually mean to do that? Well, we bless the Lord by how we live by what we say and what we sing about God. We bless the Lord by how we live. We're doing the things that are pleasing to him. What we say, we're speaking about him in a certain way and what we sing about him. What comes from our mouth should, should make it clear to everyone who's near us that we appreciate God, that we are grateful to him, that we respect and love him, that we want to do the things that he has commanded. We're doing this so that people around us, believers, would be encouraged by what we say and what we sing, but also that people who don't know Jesus would consider turning to him as they see how good and faithful God is. See, when God blesses us, when God blesses us, he is, he is doing some specific things to us and for us. When God blesses a person, he's doing some specific things to them and for them. When we bless God, we're not giving him anything. He needs nothing. He's God. When we bless God, we are simply delighting in him. We are acknowledging who he is, what he has said, and what he has done. And David wants to uh, do this uh, with every part of him. He wants to do this with every part of him. Verse 1 again, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. All that is within me. When he says that, when he says all that is within me, he's talking about his mind, his emotions, and his will. David is talking about his mind, his emotions, and his will. He wants every part of him involved. He doesn't want to bless God superficially. He wants his whole being involved. And it should be the same for you and I. We should want to praise God with every part of us. We should praise God with our minds. The, think we, the things we think about should please God. What comes to our minds should be pleasing to him. Our, we want to bless God and praise God with our emotions. We should love the things that God loves. When the world looks at us, they should, they should see that the, there's a way that Marv lives, that it's clear he loves the things that God loves. He doesn't love the things that the world is trying to promote. We should praise God with our will. We should praise God with our will. The things that we do should be the things that God has commanded. We should praise him with our will. And notice that David praises, David's praise is focused on God's name. David's praise is focused on God's name. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that was in me, bless his holy name. His praise is focused on the name of God, and that's because God has told us his name. He's praising God. He's, his praise is focused on God because the, God has told us his name. In Exodus 34, 5 to 7, it says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. 
The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving the iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty. That's why David says God's name is holy. Because there's no one in the universe like this. He's the only one like this. And he's perfect. He's perfect in all of these things. And, and the thing about it is, is that this is the God who loves us. And so when we're telling our souls to bless the Lord, this is the God we're talking about. Who's loving and merciful. Who's gracious. Who helps us as we're going to see. And so we're not just praising just anybody. We're praising a holy good and loving God who cares deeply about us. And the reason we have to do this, the reason why David has to tell himself to do this, and the reason why we have to tell ourselves to do this is, and this is point number one, because we're prone to forget. Because we're prone to forget. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul. This is verse two, and he says, and forget not all his benefits. David says, bless the Lord again. So he says it again, but he adds something. He says, forget not his benefits. Now, you and I are prone to forget things. Like the cupbearer in Genesis 40, verse 23, who he gets some help from Joseph, and then he forgets Joseph in prison. Joseph helps him out, and now it's his turn to turn around and help him out, but he forgets about him. It's the same way we forget things. We forget appointments. We forget to pay bills. We forget all kinds of things. We forget people in our family. We forget their birthdays. We just, we're prone to forget. We just have a slip of the memory. But here's the thing, though. When we forget the benefits of God, when we forget the things that God has done for us, we're in trouble. When we forget the things that God has done for us, we are getting into a place of danger. We're getting into a place of trouble. Deuteronomy 8 makes this very clear. Deuteronomy 8, verse 10 says, And you shall eat and be full. This is the Lord speaking to, through Moses to the people of Israel. And you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Take care lest you forget the Lord uh, God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, when I what I, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herd and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart is lifted up. So what's going on? He's, God's saying like when things get good, when you come into this land and things get good and, and you see all the ways that I'm blessing you. And he says when your heart gets lifted up, which is just another way of saying when you get proud and start thinking that it's, it's kind of you doing these things. And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And so God here is warning the people of Israel. He's, he's warning them. He's saying, when you get into that land and when things get real good, do not forget who has done all of these things for you. Don't forget where they're coming from because you'll notice that what happens is when they stop blessing God, when they stop praising God, they stop obeying God. That's what happens. When 
When praise goes down, when we stop blessing God, you will notice that there's a pattern of you no longer keeping the commandments of God. See, God wants us to stay and them in a place of thankfulness. In a place of thankfulness. Because when we're thankful, obedience, when we're thankful to God for what he's done, obedience gets easier. We can do the things he's called us to do. And so just like them, we need to remember the benefits of God. We need to remember the things that God has done for us. Because when we do, praise Praise, whether that's singing or what you're saying, will roll off of your lips. It will roll off of your lips. And obedience, obedience will flow from your heart. When you're looking at who God is and what he has done and his love for us, obedience will flow from our hearts. And so you and I need to get into the habit of reminding ourselves every single day of all the good things that God has done for us. We need to remind ourselves. And that's what David is about to do. He's about to remind his, his soul. He's going to remind us also of the things that God has done for us. And here's, here's the first good reason why we bless the Lord, point number two, because he forgives our sin. We bless the Lord because he forgives our sin. Verse to bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. And so the first thing God, uh, uh, David praises God for is the forgiveness of sin. And this makes perfect sense because this is the best thing God can do for us. This is the greatest gift that God can give us. See, it's right for you and I to praise God for our homes, for our families, for our jobs, for a good church that we get to go to. It's right for us to praise God for those things. But, but if we have all of those things and we're not forgiven, then we're not truly blessed. If we have all, all the good things we can think of in our life without the forgiveness of sins, we're not actually truly blessed. Psalm 32, verse 1 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, who he counts no iniquity. See, some people teach you that the way to know that you're truly blessed is when all of your earthly needs are met. That's what they say. That when you look at your life and you have everything that you want, that's how you know you're truly blessed. Sometimes even, don't you find you're talking to someone and they're like, yeah, man, I'm blessed. I've, my bills are all paid. I've got a car. I've got somewhere to live. I've got a job. I'm blessed, bro. It's like they never mention, and my sins have been forgiven. They never say that. That's because you're not truly blessed. To be truly blessed, the truly blessed person is the person whose sins are forgiven. And so you may be in here today and you're looking at your life and you're like, I don't have the world's goods. I don't have everything. I don't have the world at my fingertip. But you're a Christian. You have put your faith in Jesus Christ. You, you believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You believe that. Well, the Bible says you are blessed, that your sin is forgiven. The truly blessed person knows that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. They're trusting in that, and they are blessed. And you may be here today, and you have everything, though. 
When you look at your life, you don't want for anything. You're good. But you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never trusted in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And so I want to say to you, respectfully, you're not as blessed as you think you are. Because you're lacking the thing that you need most, which is the forgiveness of your sin. You're lacking the thing most. And, and this is why Jesus in, in Mark 8, verse 36 says, What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? He asked that question because if you have everything, but your soul is still in danger, you've, you've gained nothing. You've gained nothing because you are going to die and leave all that behind and you're going to face God. And you're still going to be in trouble for your sins. But here's the thing. Today could be a day where you become truly blessed because you can turn to Jesus. You can confess your sins to him. You can ask him to forgive you. And you can be in the company that, can, that hears Psalm 32 verse 1 and, and it says, blessed is the man whose sin is forgiven. And so you can turn to Jesus today and you can have your sins forgiven and be truly blessed. Now here's another reason why we, we bless the Lord. We bless the Lord because he heals our heart and body. We bless the Lord because he heals our heart and our bodies. Verse 2 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. That word uh, heal speaks uh, of God healing us uh, both spiritually and physically, that God heals our hearts and our bodies. Now, one God does right now. God does one the moment you put your faith in Jesus, and the other he does permanently in eternity. One he does right now, and the other he does in the future. See, when God saves us and forgives us, he also heals our diseased heart. He heals our diseased heart. Jeremiah 17, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And that is the heart of the person who's not trusting in Christ. That's the heart, that, that was our hearts before we came to faith in Jesus, that our hearts were sick, that our hearts were leading us astray, that our hearts were leading us down paths that are destructive. Our heart was leading us down to places that only harm, nothing good ultimately was coming from that, that our heart was sick. But God promised, promised to heal and change our hearts. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 says, God says, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That's just a picture. God's telling us, I'm going to give you a soft heart, going to give you a heart that is tender, a heart that is open, a heart that is uh, aware, and a heart that is in love with me, a heart of flesh. He gives us a new heart. And again, if you're a Christian today, your heart's new. You have a new heart. Your heart has been changed. Your heart loves the things of God. The Holy Spirit is at work in you. And so what that means now is that you have the power to say no to sin. 
that you do not have to go back to the vomit. You don't have to go back to that old, uh, destructive way of living that the Spirit is active and just telling you, no, we're done with that. We've left that behind. That's the old you. We don't do that. And so all we need to do each day is to listen to our heart, our new heart that is telling us to do the things that God has commanded because those things are good for us. So he heals our diseased heart, and God also promises to heal our diseased bodies. He promises to heal our diseased bodies. Now, one of the realities is that because the world is broken by sin, because the world is broken by sin, you and I get sick. We get illnesses. We get diseases. Our bodies break down. Now, some people, when you turn the TV on, tell you the lie that if you're a Christian, you never get sick. Or you flip the channel and there's another talking head and what are they telling you? If you're a Christian and you get sick, it's guaranteed that you're going to get healed. And then they tag this little thing on at the end. If it's just a matter of you having enough faith. That's a lie. And how devastating is it to say that to someone? That if, if you're ill and you don't get healed, that somehow you're the problem. Does that sound loving to you coming off the screen while they're smiling with the nice white teeth? That somehow, some way, it's on you. And they make it, they, they, they misunderstand what God's goal is for our lives. God's goal for our lives is not physical health. God's goal for our life is not physical health. God's goal for my life and your life is to sanctify you. God's goal is to make us more like his son, Jesus. That's what he's after. And so if healing us will make us more like Jesus, God will do that. He'll do that. If in his, in his wisdom, if he sees that healing me from something will make me more like Jesus, he'll do it. But if illness will make me more like Jesus, and I don't say this in any way, shape, or form to be insensitive, because I know there's people in the room who are, you're going through things, and you're battling things. But if illness, if illness will make you more like Jesus, then God won't heal you. He won't heal you. And that's what they're afraid to tell you. But that's the truth. And if, and if you love somebody enough, you tell them the truth. That if, if, it, if you're going to be made more like Jesus, then God won't take that thing away. And so even though God may not heal you now, he promises to do it later. He promises to do it later. Philippians 3 verse 20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. This is not our home. And from it we await a savior. We're waiting for Jesus to come get us, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even now to, sub to subject all things to himself. The Bible tells us that our bodies will be transformed. This is called the doctrine of a glorification. It's called the doctrine of glorification, that there's going to come a day that you and I, we're going to be glorified, that our bodies are going to be changed. I love this truth. 
If you know me, I've got two really bad rickety knees. They hurt all the time. And I can't wait to get new knees. I can't wait to get my new body that I can run real, I can run again, maybe even jump a little bit. I can't wait for that day. And that's the promise, that's the hope that we have. That we'll be made like Jesus, that we'll be given a body like he has. 1 John 3 verse 2 says, when he appears, we shall be like him. It's saying when Jesus appears, when we see him instantly in that moment, we will be made like him. No more suffering, no more pain. Glorified bodies made like Jesus Christ. And so if you're here today and you are suffering, you're going through something, there's, there's, you have some kind of illness, then I encourage you to go home to pray, to fast, to ask people in your life to pray with you that God would heal you. It's good and right to do that. That's okay. Pray and ask the Lord. But understand that if God does not heal you, that he means it for your good. That he's using it to make you more like Jesus. And also know, also know that you are not going through what you're going through without hope. That there's coming a day where you will be made like Jesus. That our bodies will be made new. And so God forgives our sins, heals our heart and bodies in this. Because he saves us from death. Bless the Lord because he saves us from death. Verse 2, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. When, uh, uh, when, uh, when David says that our lives are redeemed from the pit, he's talking about two things. He's talking about the fact that it is true, and I've, I've said this, that God, there is times where God heals someone and extends their life for a period of time. That somebody could be on the brink of death and that God heals them and, they, and, and their life's redeemed from the pit and they go on living maybe for another 15 years or something like that. But the reality is, though, that that person will die. And so what God is, also, what David is also saying here is that God saves us from eternal death, that final death. And the word pit, the word pit is actually another, uh, is another word for sheol, which actually means the grave or hell. The word pit is another, another word for sheol, which is speaking of hell. And so what David is saying here is that God, he redeems our lives. He saves us so that we would not end up in the place that we deserve to be because of our sin. That he saves us from eternal death. And that's because he loves us. Because he's merciful. That we've heard about already. That he's committed to loving us. That he saves us from eternal death. This is actually, this is actually what Jesus promises to everyone who believes in him. This is what Jesus promises to every single person who puts their faith in him. He, he makes them this promise. In John 11, verse 25 to 26, Jesus said, I'm, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never 
die. Everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. See, you and I can live. You and I can live because Jesus died. Our lives can be redeemed because his life was destroyed on the cross for our sins. It's actually the death of Jesus that makes, uh, makes, uh, makes it possible for us to be saved from eternal death. It's because of what he has done for us. We can live because he died. And so because of him, every Christian can say, every Christian can say that even though I die, I will live. Even though I die, because I'm trusting in Jesus Christ, I will live. I will get to spend eternity with him. God saves us from eternal death. And we bless him also because he crowns us. We bless the Lord also because he crowns us. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Now, to crown someone is to honor them, is to mark them as distinct, right? When they, when they took the crown and they put it on Queen Elizabeth's head in 1953, they were honoring her. They were marking her off as distinct. You realize that she was different and everybody was going to honor her from that day forward. And it's the same thing that God is doing to us. He's honoring us. And you got to think about this. What did we deserve? What do we deserve for our sins? Do we deserve to be honored? No. We deserve to be humiliated for the things that we've done. But God, again, he loves us. And so he honors us. He, he's loving and merciful. And so he gives us the thing that we don't deserve. He actually adopts us into his royal family. He adopts us. We become his children and he honors us. He treats us as if we have never sinned. He loves us. He gives us what we don't deserve. And you and I, we will get to fully experience this honoring, this this good gift. We'll, we'll experience this fully at the return of Christ because the Bible says that we, we will get to reign with Jesus when he returns. And so God goes above. He is merciful. He gives us what we don't deserve. He honors us when we deserve far worse. And God doesn't even, he doesn't even stop there. He doesn't even stop there. It keeps going. And this is a point number six for us. We bless the Lord because he gives us good things to strengthen us. We bless the Lord because he gives us good things to strengthen us. Verse four, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like eagles. So God, God saves us, but he doesn't just leave us on our own to live these miserable lives. He saves us, but he doesn't leave us on our own to live miserable lives. He gives us good things. Now, notice uh, the Bible doesn't say that he gives us everything. He doesn't give us everything. He gives us good things. And it says that our strength is renewed. That from the things that he gives us, our strength is renewed. Again, that's a physical strength and that's a spiritual strength. He gives us these things. And I'm sure there's 
There's lots of things you can point to in your life. If you just stop for a moment, you can point to lots of things that God has, lots of good things that God has given you. Good things, and these things cost you, cause us to be strengthened. But none of those things, none of those things top the Holy Spirit. None of those things top the Holy Spirit, which God has given to us. Luke 11, verse 13 says, If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will, your, will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? John 16, verse 7, uh, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. He's speaking about the Holy Spirit that God gives to us. See, because to have the Holy Spirit is actually to have everything. To have the Holy Spirit is actually to have everything because there's so many things the Holy Spirit gives to us. So many good things that we receive from him. He gives us the church. He's the one who birthed the church that we get to be a part of. He gives us unity in the church. He also gives us the ability to understand the word of God. You got to think about this. The Holy Spirit was a part of the word of God coming to us. Second Peter verse, uh, chapter 1 verse 21 says, And men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was intimately involved in the Word of God being written so we can have that. But then he also, so he also helps us to understand the Word. He gives us the Word, then he helps us comprehend the Word. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So the Spirit gives us the Word, and then he helps us understand the Word, and then he gives us the power and ability to do the Word. He gives the word, helps us understand it, and gives us the ability to live God's word every day as we submit to him. He also gives spiritual gifts. He gives us spiritual gifts. Everybody in this room has a spiritual gift. And we're supposed to use that gift in our church. If this is your home church, you're supposed to use that gift so that the entire body is built up so that Harvest Brampton will function at a high level, that God would be honored because we're all using our gifts to serve one another and build up the church. It gives us the, the power and ability to love each other. The Spirit gives us the ability to love each other. And think, he, think about this. He, 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 he stops us from fearing one another. The fear of man is such a massive thing. That's a huge thing in my life. I, I struggle with the fear of man. I just, I just, I get, people kind of make me nervous sometimes. But the, every now and then, I just get a sense that like, okay, this is not me. It's the spirit of God at work causing us to be able to love the people that come in front of us, to love one another. These are all good things, and they strengthen us. These things, the Bible says, make, make, make us soar like eagles in our faith. See, the reality for you and I is that we get worn down in our faith. We can get worn down. As we, as we try to walk with the Lord in a world that's growing more and more hostile to the things of God, it's hard. It's hard to live for God. It's hard to do the things that God has called us to do. Our flesh even battles us. Though we have a new heart, the flesh is just 
coming after us all the time, trying to get us to do the things we don't, we don't want to do. And so it's hard. So we get worn down from that, like a, like a soccer player. And I don't, I don't watch soccer, but I get this. They play a full, sometimes you play a full 90 minutes, and it goes into extra time, and there's some penalty kicks and all that sort of stuff. And, they just, and the soccer players get real worn down. And so they need a break. They need some water after the game. It's the same with us. We get worn down in our faith. Some of you are probably feeling that today, just a little worn down. But God gives us good things in order to strengthen us. And, that, and that, should, that should tell us how much he loves us. That he would give us good things. And on top of that, he would give us his spirit and all the things that the spirit provides to strengthen us. God cares about us. He cares about what you're going through. He cares about, about the struggles that we have day to day. See, some people think that God sort of creates the world. They believe in God, that he created the world, and that, but that he's just kind of stepped back from things now. He's gotten everything started, but now he's just real disinterested in us and what we're going through. That's not true. God is intimately involved in our life. He knows every single detail of your schedule. He knows every single thing that you're going through. He takes thought of us. Psalm 40 verse 17 says, as for me, I am poor and needy. The psalmist says, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought of me. God considers me. That he's, and when you take thought about someone, it means you're moving towards them. You're going to help them. He takes thought of us. And these are the benefits. These are the things that God has given us that we should never forget. These are the things that we need to be reminding ourselves every single day that God delivers us from sin, sickness, and death. That he gives us good things. And he does this because he's loving and merciful. He does this because he's loving and merciful. See, it's, not, it's nothing in us that causes God to do this. God does this because this is who he is. This is his character. He loves us. And so because he's merciful, he gives us what we don't deserve. And this is why David tells himself to bless the Lord. This is why he tells himself to bless the Lord. You, you can sort of look through the Bible and read about David, and you know that he's, he's made massive mistakes. And so he understands that God has been gracious to him when he looks at his life. And many people in this room, we've made massive mistakes. But we can point to the fact that God has been gracious to us, that he's been good to us. And so when apathy creeps into your life, when apathy creeps into your life, when the praise of God is low, when the things that you are saying about God and singing about God are at an all-time low, when keeping God's commands are low, when it's difficult for you when, you, are, when you are battling that, then what you need to do and what I need to do is engage in a little self-talk, is to talk to yourself, is to talk to your soul. It's to say, soul, soul. Today's a hard day. That's true. But soul, you have been forgiven. Soul, your heart has been healed. Soul, there's a coming a day where God is going to heal your body. Soul, there's coming a day where you are going to be crowned. God has honored you. There's coming a day where God is going to treat you in such a way that you, you don't deserve. Soul, 
God has given you good things is to talk to yourself. It's to tell your th yourself the right things. Because when we do that, we will move to a place of blessing God. Our eyes come off the situation. Our eyes come off ourselves. They go on to him and we praise him for what he has done for us. We need to talk to ourselves. Talk to ourselves so we can bless the Lord at all times. And we get a chance to do that right now. We can bless the Lord at all times and we're going to do that right now. We're, we've heard of all the good things that God has done for us. David has reminded us the good things, the benefits of God. And so because of that, we get to praise God. And so we're just going to stand now and Adam's going to lead us as we sing praises to God for what he has done for us. And so let's stand and do that now. This has been an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Brampton, Ontario. For more information about our church or to contact us, please visit harvestbrampton.ca.